Okay, Fergus, you're going to tell me about elephants. I'm not sure what you're going to tell me about elephants, but anything <laughs> about elephants is, is fantastic. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, you know, I have a thing about elephants. I think a lot of people do have a thing about elephants. But um, one of the things that I've wanted to do for a very long time was to introduce my daughters. I have four daughters, four grown-up daughters. Now, the youngest is 20 and the oldest is, um, well, she'll be 26 uh, next month. And I wanted to introduce them to the world of elephants. They've been to lots of zoos. They've watched lots of wildlife documentaries with me. But um, as a big family treat, I brought my wife and my daughters to South Africa uh, for Christmas. We were away for nearly a month and we did lots of things. And I think we'll podcast about one or two of those things. But one of the things that I, uh, my brother had suggested that I do was go to an elephant sanctuary. Um, there are sadly quite a few places in Africa now which um, help to rear orphaned elephants. And the elephants are orphaned for very obvious reasons, John, which you will know because poaching is still rife in, in certain countries. Um, and of course, if you take away uh, an elephant, a young elephant's mother, that's it. Uh, because they, you know, they stay with their mothers for five or six years and they're totally dependent upon them. So, and you'd have seen this in the wild, John, won't you? That's right, of course. And also, actually, the whole family. And when you go to somewhere like Amboseli, where there's uh, the natural elephant families of about 25 females, mostly females, uh, they're all very close. And uh, the, the mothers, of course, very attentive, but also the grandmothers, you know, so the whole family ma it matters to them. So I had done some interviews at Elephant Sanctuaries before, and, and I was expecting to go to this particular place in South Africa um, to see, you know, elephants that might have been two or, or three years old. But what in, what in fact happened was we came into this site, which was a, a, a beautiful, large, I, I won't call it an enclosure, although plainly it was enclosed, but enclosures in Africa can be miles and miles and miles and miles and miles long. So there was an, an open plain savanna area and, and a wooded area. I was slightly skeptical moving in because I thought Elephant Sanctuary, uh, is it just a tourist attraction? Will it be in the slightest bit educational? What condition will the animals be kept in? How many will there be? There was another family of three and then the four of us, and we were slightly late. And as we came in, um, the other family were, were literally standing in the middle of a field with three adult uh, female elephants and um, that was the first shock because I thought wow here I'm bringing my kids up to uh, three you know f probably three or four ton female elephants and we're, we're going to go right up to them now each of them had a mahout a mahout is an Indian word of course um, probably not an African word but it, it was someone who was had helped to rear that particular individual and was looking was looking after them and the man who was talking to us and explaining what we were going to do was incredibly well um, educated about the conservation of elephants, about these elf elephants' individual story, about the anatomy of the elephants. Um, and in fact, in the little reception place that we came through, he said, we'll go back um, at the end and we're going to sit and have a little, a little mini lecture. So are we going to ask something? No, no, I wasn't ready. I was just uh, interested to know whether you were scared or not, uh, or apprehensive. I was very apprehensive because, uh, you know, standing beside, it's very, very rarely that you would stand beside uh, a fully grown African elephant. They are enormous creatures, enormous bulk, very, very powerful creatures. But also when you watch them with each other, incredibly, incredibly gentle. So I did realize that. And, and obviously because these animals, have almost been hand reared 
Um, uh, they are very, very used to humans. Um, but still, if you're bringing your own gene pool up to three very large mammals like this, you obviously you're going to be a little bit cautious. One of my daughters is very kind of, uh, you know, unscared. The other would be slightly more timorous. Um, and my wife, you know, doesn't even like spiders. So uh, I think they were all looking at me as if to say, what is this and what are we going to do? And then the most remarkable thing happened because... Uh, the guy said, right, we're going to walk with the elephants. And of course, we, we thought that this would entail the elephants walking off with their minders and all of us following uh, in their footsteps. But I think I was one of the first to step up. And he said, um, now I just want you to start to walk into the woods and this elephant will uh, uh, come up behind you. And I thought to myself, well, that sounds great, but uh, I don't know if you've ever walked through the wood, John, with a three or four ton elephant padding uh, quietly behind you. And he said, OK, drop your um, arm and turn your hand out, your right hand out, which I did. And almost instantly, this elephant took its trunk, put it forward and just took the tip of my hand. And with its two lips at the end of the, the trunk, which the African elephants have, it just gra gently grasped my hand and you realize that you are walking through this forest uh with an african elephant hanging on to your um your hand with the the mahout and everybody else walking behind you and then so too with the next elephant and my wife who was slightly skeptical um she stepped into the breach and so she and i were walking and of course modern day our children were videoing and, and taking pictures of this as we disappeared into the woods. It was just the most remarkable experience. It sounds wonderful. What was the what was the elephant trying to do? Was it it was sort of holding your hand sort of thing? Well it was holding my hand and um walking gently. There was at one stage I I kind of tripped over a piece of wood on the ground and I, I didn't fall but I nearly fall but obviously I stumbled. And um you know, you think don't stumble in front of a of an elephant that's gonna keep walking. But it, it just stopped. Um, let go of my hand, um, and then I turned around and, and looked. And you know, there's something amazing about the eye of an African elephant. For a start, you're you're almost um I mean I'm nearly six foot, I'm five foot ten. So you're you're at the height of the eye, so you're looking straight into the eye um of the elephant's a big brown eye with a quite a small a pinpoint pupil and um, you can see that it's looking straight back at you and of course they're making rumbles as they're talking to each other and those rumbles those low frequency vibrations you can feel in your own chest so you you I, so I, I look back and then the guy just said walk on and so we, we just walked on it was amazing isn't it that um that you won't get this kind of experience unless you wear with these semi-tame animals and they're not really captive animals because they're in a very large area um and of course the whole of africa has large areas like that so but basically what i'm trying to get around to is are you uh at all worried about the uh idea of of a semi-captive animal what are the pros and the cons yeah well the, the the cons for me walking in where uh these animals are being exploited you pay money obviously <clears throat> to come into this center they're doing this performance in inverted commas of walking with humans quite a few times a day. Um, uh, so uh, you have to consider the, the ethics of that. On the other hand, these are animals that otherwise would have died in nature. 
um, because their parents had been killed. In fact, their entire families had been killed for their tusks. These individuals had been spared because they don't have any tusks as babies. Um, and uh, in the in terms of the overall experience, getting to the other end of it, because my, my girls all then walked with the elephants. And at one stage, you come through into a forest clearing and the three elephants stand and, and each of us goes up and you you look into the mouth, you see the teeth, they, they raise a hind foot, they allow you to touch the the tail of the animal. Um, and I can only go when, when, on what John, uh, the girl, said to me at the end, literally as we're driving away in the car and, and, you know, one of them turned around and said to me, that was just the most amazing experience. I didn't know so much about elephants because as we were walking out, in fact, they sat us down on a little kind of outdoor lecture theatre and had a big map of the anatomy of the elephant and some of the, the stats about the size of the heart of an elephant pig being almost like a bucket and all the rest of it. It's just, it's just amazing. It was, it was an incredible experience. I mean, I think this comes down to the, to the discussion between us all about, um, zoos and, and, you know, do you know, to be honest, I, I, uh, learnt my interest in animals and certainly in exotic animals through the zoos. And as a boy was found them entrancing, enchanting places, you know, and, and so, of course, I think that for human beings, it's a bit selfish that, that that we have this need to understand and be close to animals, which which things like zoos give us. But of course, from the animal's perspective, and I, I, I agree, of course, a, a rehabilitation is different. But, uh, you know, how would you feel if that had been the zoo, say Chester Zoo, which has a wonderful um, exhibit of uh, 25 or so elephants, you know, in a very large, a really large enclosure? Well, I similarly, John, have studied zoology and, as you know, worked all my life for the BBC until I retired recently. Uh, but but my experiences in life all began uh, the first time I saw a small baby elephant in the, in the zoo in Belfast. And it, it's the most amazing. Well, I think I just think they're amazing creatures. They're, they're almost prehistoric. And some creatures are like that. A lot of the our reptiles look prehistoric and sort of the giant birds like rays and ostriches they remind us of of the evolution and where these these things came from but that, that's slightly off the point the, the the bottom line is as long as animals exist in captivity they and that they are well looked after and that their the husbandry is is as good as it can be and the enclosures are as in, as good as they can be then i think they serve a very important role in life particularly in the education of people like you and I who then go on to work in that field um, and my for my own part <clears throat> I've done my best to educate my children on environmental matters none of them followed me into the line of biology um, but all of them know my passion and know my interest and as a result of that experience with the the three the three elephants um, we spent well, we then went on to safari, so we were able to see the animals in a, in a wild setting as well. So they they all now are incredibly knowledgeable about African elephants, their conservation, um, their natural history, their anatomy, um, their character. Uh, and I think all of them blown away just by how, uh, what an amazing emotional experience it was to be beside such, and even though they were captive, they are captive wild animals. And so, in a way, if more people could have that experience, they would perhaps be advocates of elephant protection and and so on. and also more uh, 
people that were originally from Africa themselves, you know, because I, I do believe some of the Africans don't necessarily get to see their own wildlife as, as we do. Well, of course they don't. And, and uh, you know, conservation nowadays in many places in, the, in countries around the world is about um, the battle between natural habitat and the increase, ma massive increase in the population growth of humans. Um, and uh, many of those humans are incredibly poor and following on from that, hungry. Um, and so deforestation and the use of uh, wild habitats for human population and living uh, is an inevitability, as is hunting and poaching, because black rhino horn, uh, white rhino horn, uh, elephant tusks, uh, the, the, as you know, the, the, the poachers themselves are probably risking life and limb to go in and uh, get these objects and kill the animals. And then that, that uh, object will flow through a chain of middlemen out the other end and, and sell for an incredibly um, large amounts of money. Uh, but at, at what cost to the humans, many of whom die in the act of poaching, uh, particularly in Africa now, where in, in many of the countries they have very active anti-poaching units. So it's one of those things, John, that uh, all lies in the balance. I was involved with someone recently who uh, is advocating uh, virtual aquariums uh, to replace any captive sea life. And um, I uh, think it's a good idea, but I also wonder how that changes your experience of the real thing, you know, uh, because, of course, if you make computer-generated animals, you can make mistakes. They they are not ultimately real. They're copies. What do you feel about that sort of thing? Well, uh, I think to make a, an experience with a virtual elephant uh, would be very different to make an experience with a virtual aquarium. So I've been fortunate enough to be out in a wonderful marine aquarium in, you'll know the name of it, John, Monterey. Monterey yes. Bay. Yeah. Yes, Mon the Monterey Bay Aquarium. I was there a few years back, and and in one of the one of I think one of the biggest, it's, well, you shouldn't really call it a tank, although it is a tank. I mean, they have bluefin tuna swimming in it, um, which are enormous fish, um, and and you stand and there is a, a you know a wall of two or three stories high of tank, um, and you you feel like you're looking into the sea. Now, if that was an enormous screen and you're standing in front of it. And the 3D animation is incredibly effective. You know, you're you're not touching the fish, you're not touching the water, you're not sensing any anything really. And I think that you could probably be just as blown away by looking at something like that close up in the dark as looking at the what you're told are the real tuna fish. Um, however, uh, the experience of uh, standing out and walking through some grassland and then walking through woods holding um, at the trunk of an elephant, I think is a very, very different experience. But I, I wouldn't, um, I think that's quite an interesting, uh, quite an interesting concept with whoever you were discussing that with. Yeah, I mean, of course, you've got some issues there with the with the bluefin tuna, because they're animals that can do, you know, nearly 50 miles an hour in the water, probably range in the sea hundreds of miles a day. Um, and uh, you're basically keeping them captive. Uh, so you know, there is an element of cruelty there. Um, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think you probably, with a very good exhibit, you would see no difference, really. Uh, although you'd know it wasn't different. That's the only thing. 
You know, the, there's eight copies of the Mona Lisa, but only one of them is the one that people flock to in Paris, you know. and um, Oh, I didn't know uh, that. <laughs> they say you learn something new every day. They're, they're all pretty much identical. Yes. Uh, and, and each of their owners think that they're real. Oh, but right. the, the, it's that feeling of real that is important to human beings. You know, if I, if I was to see, I don't know, let's say a piece of wood from Christ's cross, if somebody told me it was the real thing, I would be in awe of it. But uh, if it was just a, a copy, I would say that's a piece of wood. You yeah. know what I mean? Yes. Uh, um, so uh, I don't know where that comes from, actually. And at some point, if the uh, simulation is good enough, supposing you could get an elephant simulation that was good enough and had all those things. In fact, in Ray Bradbury's book, The Illustrated Man, there's a room where you walk into the savannah and it's indistinguishable from the real savannah, mm. but it is all, com all computer generated. And what do you feel about that? Well, uh, I quite like the idea. I've, I've, I've never actually tried those 3D goggles um, and and put them on. I, I'd, I'd love to try that. In fact, I'd, I'd love to be able to sit, um, particularly the week after I came back from Africa, where we had a month of, um, almost a month of beautiful sun and blue skies, back into um, very dark, cold and damp county down in Northern Ireland, where I went into a depression for a week. I would love to have had some goggles in my uh, armchair, bring myself back and transport myself um, around the beautiful places of the world. And and in fact, let's face it, you've done that professionally in your in your life, John, in the last 15, 20 years, because you are a wildlife filmmaker and you've made television documentaries that transport people like me to the places that you've been to that that I can't get to um and so most of most of the images we have i dare say of the natural world and particularly the spectacular places are virtual because we've seen them on television screens and i think that's a i think that's a wonderful thing that we are able to do it Yes. I mean, I think it's an ongoing discussion. You can imagine what, of course, happens is that all the best encounters would be put into the computer um, and it would become an unrealistic uh, view of what a, Africa is like. And then, of course, what would happen is you'd start putting fantasy creatures in there as well to, uh, you know, titillate the audience. And then, you, I mean, there's some wonderful things you could do with it as well. You could go back and forwards in time, of course, and see some of the uh, you know dinosaurs for real. But uh, it, it could get a bit muddled between reality and you know virtual reality. It could do. Uh, let's just end on this note. I um, many years ago, when I was working in the Natural History Unit and presenting the Natural History Program on Radio Four, which you produced, uh, I was sent to Hylett's Zoo in Kent. Um, where um, Mr. Aspinall uh, had assembled, I think, probably the largest collection of gorillas, um, in, certainly in the UK, living in, in semi-natural enclosures. And I was quite a relatively young man, maybe 26, 27 years of age. And it's amazing to, to see gorillas close up. But at the end of our, our, our walkthrough with um, Aspinall and with the keeper, one of the keepers had let, let me go into an enclosure with two, he called them baby gorillas. And I was expecting, you know, the size of a human baby, maybe two or three days old that I could cradle in my arms. And we walked into this enclosure and he said, just sit there now. And he said, and don't, don't make any sudden movements. And he opened the door and in tumbled these two adolescent gorillas. 
uh, straight over to me, uh, pulling an arm each. And believe you me, I think they have the strength of about two men at that early stage of their, their lives. Um, but over the course of the 20 minutes or so that I was in there, I was recording this for radio. One of them sat on his knee and he said, come and sit beside me. And, and the other one sat on my knee. And <laughs> it's, it is the most incredible experience because, of course, they are so much like us, their hands, their eyes, their expressions, the way you can see them looking at you and thinking about you. And just towards the end of the encounter, um, I thought one of them was about to poke me in the eye. But in fact, uh, and I, I drew my head back, but he said, no, stay still. And in fact, this gorilla, and I'm doing it now as we speak, it just took its finger and fore thumb and went straight into the corner of my eye and took out a little piece of that crust that sometimes assembles in your eye. Oh, God. And, and lifted it out and looked at it. and put it extraordinary. In it, and put it in its mouth and ate it. <laughs> you think I've been, I've been accepted into the, into the family because he's grooming me. It was the most amazing experience and stayed with me forever.